Father, we're so thankful for this, the liberty in this place. We give place to the Holy Spirit this morning. Holy Spirit, we recognize who you are. You are the Lord. You are the giver of life. You are the one who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who together with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. You are here to guide us into all truth, to show us things to come. The hidden things of darkness you are here to reveal to us today. We bow our hearts to you. We open our hearts and submit in meekness, recognizing, oh God, that you are our leader. You are our guide. You lead us and we follow. Let Jesus be glorified in this place. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Give someone a high five this morning. Tell them they look good in God's presence. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I think it's a great time to pause for thought and look at our lives in the context of Scripture. You know, I've titled the message this morning, A Better Resurrection. A Better Resurrection. And I'll start from a psalm written by Moses, uh, Psalm 90, verse 12. It's a psalm that most of us are very familiar with. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, when I read scripture, I like to read from different translations because um, as we know, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and it's always very difficult to get the full import of one language um, to the next. So it's great to look at different translations to get uh, a more robust picture of what is conveyed in the original manuscript. So if you look at the New Living Translation, it says, teach us to realize the brevity of life. So number our days, teach us to number our days is translated, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. So basically this verse is saying, help us recognize that our time here is short. That's what numbering your days is. Help us to recognize the brevity of life. And you know, earlier in that chapter in verse 4, he actually begins the thought there. In verse 4 it says, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. Time goes past very quickly. It says, God with you a thousand years is like three hours. Like a watch in the night. So Lord, teach us to recognize the brevity of our lives. The message translation says, oh. You know, when you started staring with, oh. That gives an emphasis that um, it's like, oh. Like a depth of thought. How important this is for us to recognize. Oh, it says, teach us to live well. Teach us to live wisely and well. I'll end with the Passion Translation. The Passion puts it this way. Help us to remember that our days are numbered in order brief. And help us to interpret our lives correctly. Set your wisdom deeply in our hearts so that we may accept your correction. Set your 
wisdom deeply in our hearts. You know, Psalm says that it is the corrections of discipline that put us on the path of life. So Lord, help us to remember that our days are numbered and help us to interpret our lives correctly. So the thought from this verse is that if we don't interpret our lives correctly, we will not use our time wisely. He said, Lord, teach us to interpret our lives correctly. I believe that a correct interpretation of our lives is when we interpret our lives in the context of eternity. For time is a gift of God where we get to determine where we spend eternity and also how we spend eternity. You know, the purpose of God for our lives goes beyond what we experience in time, in our time on earth, because our lives will continue. And the purpose of God for our lives goes beyond what we experience in time, but it is in time that we get to exercise our will to choose him or reject him. This is the time where we get to exercise our will to choose him or reject him, to submit to him or not to submit to him. This is where as his bride, the Bible says we make ourselves ready. We make ourselves ready by submitting to his grace and his spirit to fashion us into his very image. It is in time that we get to demonstrate that we are worthy for the throne that he has ordained for us to sit, which he ordained before the foundation of the world. We demonstrate our worth by our faithfulness to his will for us in time. Time is a gift, but it is an important gift. And what you do in the realm of time determines where you spend eternity, determines how you spend eternity. It is important that in order to interpret our lives correctly, we must interpret our lives in the context of eternity. Because our origin is from eternity. Our work in time is for eternity. And our destination is eternity. Now we are looking at this verse that says, God help us to interpret our lives correctly. A proper interpretation of your life is in the context of eternity. And we're going to unpack it. If you are not interpreting your life in the context of eternity, then your heart is not being applied to wisdom. You are not spending your time on the right thing. Because our origin is from eternity. Our work in time is for eternity. And our destination is eternity. Now that is the context in which we must interpret our lives. Now, let us begin by um, learning some key lessons from the Lord Jesus himself. 
If you turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 4, verse 34. Now, this is important for you, irrespective of where you are in your journey. Whether you're a newborn baby, who his parents are going to train this way, in the way he should go. Whether you're 30, 20, 50, 60, 70. This is important for you. And the sooner you learn this, the more effective you will be in life. In John 4 verse 34, because of time, we wouldn't set the background, but you know the background. This is the, the interaction with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And after ministering to her for a while, the disciples come back and see Jesus talking to this woman. And um, they asked him if he had gotten something to eat. And in verse 34 of John 4, he says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, in this statement, we understand the way Jesus interpreted his life. We understand his value system, his perception of life. Now, notice what he says. He says, my food or my nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Some key things we need to understand, we see from Jesus in that verse. Number one, he lived life from the perspective that he was sent. He didn't just arrive on the scene. He wasn't the product of, you know, a night of passion and therefore he arrived. He was very conscious. He lived his life on a daily basis with this understanding that he was sent. Hallelujah. He came from somewhere. He was conscious of his origin. And his origin was not from here. Number one. He was sent here. Number two. His purpose was specific. He said. I must do the will of him that sent me. And finish his work. In other words, Jesus didn't find himself work to do. You understand what I'm saying? He didn't find himself work to do. Like what's going on? Just, you know, find yourself work to do. You know how we say that. No, he was sent because there was a specific work allocated for him to complete. It wasn't his work. It was the work of the father. He says, he didn't say, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish my work. No, he said to finish his work. So he was conscious of his origin. He wasn't from here. He had been sent to complete a specific task that was ordained by the father. That's the second thing. His purpose was specific. The third thing was the fact that this work designated for time must be finished in time. In other words, he says, I need to prioritize this because my time is to be spent to complete the work. Hallelujah. No unfinished projects at the end of this tenure. You know how a, uh, 
a new government comes in and the first thing they do is they point out all the things that the old government were meant to do. See, they started, they didn't finish. Jesus says, I must complete his work. That's number three. Number one, consciousness of where it came from. I'm not from here. Number two, the reason why I'm even here is because they sent me to do something. And number three, I must finish it. And we know that this consciousness was something he walked with daily. Because in chapter 9 verse 4 of John's gospel, he says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. So in other words, I must be about my father's business. Remember when he said that at 12 years old? I must be about my father's business. I don't have all the time in the world. At the end of my tenure, I must complete the work he has given me to do. And the work he has given me to do is very specific. And that um, determined how he submitted to God. He submitted to the will of God because he was conscious of why he came. It was this consciousness that kept him centered in times of pressure. Hallelujah. If you look at John 12, 27, before he went to the cross, he says, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this purpose, I came to this hour. So in other words, he was saying that um, I cannot pray away the pressure that comes with my assignment. I can't, because of this pressure, start praying, oh Lord, save me from this hour. No, he said, this is why I came. There is a pressure that is associated. There is a difficulty. The reason why you'll be sent on an assignment is because there is something to do. There's an obstacle to overcome. There's a victory to apprehend. There's an assignment that has your name on it. And yes, there will be challenges. Amen. He said, I'm not going to pray that God should save me from this hour because this is why I came. This is my reason for being. This is not something to avoid. This is something I must press through. Hallelujah. We see this again in the Garden of Gethsemane. We know it was tough. He had to press into the grace of God to carry out the task, but he knew he had to finish. This was his task to complete and no one else's. Hallelujah. And no one else's. He understood that. So he had to press into grace in times of pressure. We ain't running away from this pressure because it is my pressure that has to do with my assignment and I'm going to press into the grace of God to get through it and overcome it. Because I must finish my work and I must finish it in time. That's why I was sent. That's why I came. If you look at Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42. In Gethsemane, he prayed saying, Father... If it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. 
Then his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. <laughs> the pressure was there. He prayed. He pressed into God. God sent strength. But there was still agony. He had to press through, did he not? Because this task was a task for him to complete and he had to finish it. And thank God he finished. In John 17 verse 4, he was praying. He said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. He represented God accurately in the earth. He maintained his life of sinlessness and holiness. When it came to the cross, he was the unblemished lamb of God, qualified to take away the sins of the world. He had completed his task. And then he went to the cross and he died for the sake of humanity. Went to hell, paid the price. When God's justice was satisfied, the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. He completed his work. He completed the reason why he was sent. Let us read the Hebrews 1.3 from the Passion Translation. Speaking about the sun, it says the sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it by his mighty power of his spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins and then took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. Hallelujah. Everyone say he accomplished. Oh, praise God. That is a word of completion, finishing. What was given him to do was his task to complete the cleansing of sins. And the Bible says, as a result of completing the assignment, he now sits on the highest throne. Hallelujah. Has Jesus stopped working? He hasn't stopped working. But he finished the work that was designated for him in time. Hebrews 7.25 says he ever lives to make intercession for us. Are you with me? So he's still working, but the work that he was designated to do in the realm of time, he completed it. Are you with me? Now, just like Jesus, our origin is from eternity. Our work is for eternity. And our destination is eternity. Just like Jesus. You know, just like Jesus, you and I were sent here. And we need to embrace that consciousness of being sent. Hallelujah. If we're going to interpret time correctly, there has to be that consciousness that we embrace, that we're sent. You know, in John chapter 1, verse 6, Speaking about John, you know, John wrote, you know, the gospel of John. Introducing himself in the third person, John made the statement. He said there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now he's writing this about himself. So we see in John's consciousness who he was. There's a man sent. From God, whose name was John. So that consciousness of being sent from God 
is something that you and I must develop if we're going to interpret our time correctly. Because it is that consciousness that is an accurate perspective of truth. It is truth. You ascend from God. We know verses like um, Ephesians 1, 4 to 5. You know, we need to go beyond knowing verses mentally to embracing it in reality. Because this verse says that just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. He chose us in him. When did he choose you in him? Before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. And then he sent you here. That word chose, I've said this before in the Greek, is the Greek word eklegomai. Ek speaks about out. Logoe is like a word. Uh, you know, Jesus is the living logos. So eklegomai actually means a called out word. A word within himself that he sent out to fulfill purpose. He chose us in him and he sent us out. If you look at Acts 17, expanding this thought. If you look at the Acts 17, 26 in the Passion Translation, it says, From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity, and he spread us, everyone say us, over all the earth. He sets the boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. That means that this is your appointed time in history. You have come from God and you were sent out like Jesus was sent out. This is your appointed time in history. So we must wake up every morning with that consciousness that we were sent from heaven. This is our appointed time in history. And like Jesus, you have been given work by the Father to accomplish. Hallelujah. Are you tracking with me this morning? We're talking about interpreting our lives correctly. You know, in um, Galatians 6 verse 4, since we're on passion, let's read the passion translation of that. Remember what Jesus said in, um, in John 4 that we read. He said, my nourishment, what feeds me. You know, when I'm trying to interpret how I'm doing, when I'm trying to ev evaluate you know how everyone ought to evaluate how they're doing. And we tend to do this at Christmas or New Year and on our birthdays. He, he said, how I evaluate myself, my food, my nourishment, is to do the will of him who sent me. So I'm evaluating myself based on the assignment he gave me to do. Hallelujah. Um, so here, in Galatians 6 verse 4, we see Paul encouraging us to do the same thing. Because like Jesus was sent, you were sent. Like he had an assignment, you have an assignment. Like his was specific, yours is specific. Like there is a time for you to fulfill it. This is the time for that fulfillment. In verse 4 it says, let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given them to do with excellence. And their joy, so that's like food, right? Their joy will be in doing what's right and being themselves 
and not in being affirmed by others. Not in being affirmed by others. Thank God for affirmation. Hallelujah. I like it when people pat me on the back and say I'm doing a good job. And we have to do that. Recognize what people are doing. But Paul says, it is important that you devote yourself to what he has called you to do. And let your joy come from that. Like Jesus. Let your joy come from that. Because you have come from eternity. The work you are doing in time is for eternity. You are going back to eternity. Let the affirmation of others not be the barometer for what you do and how you do it. If you look at the message Bible translation of the same passage. He says make a careful exploration of who you are. And the work you've been given. And then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility. For doing the creative best you can with your own life. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish we had more time for that. It says the responsibility of your exploration of who you are is yours. Hallelujah. Your life is too important for you to abrogate that responsibility to some person. You have nobody to blame because you have come from eternity. God has sent you with an assignment. That responsibility of perceiving what it is, of making an exploration of who you are, is a responsibility that is yours. Hallelujah. It's your responsibility. The Bible says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You know, when the Bible was speaking about Jesus and speaking about the incarnation, the Bible says that he did not access his divinity when he was here. He operated like a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He emptied himself of all access to his omnipotence and omniscience. He operated like a human being that had the Holy Spirit within them. If Jesus could perceive who he was, if Jesus could have an identity as the Son of God and stand in that identity, you have the same equipment. You have the same Holy Spirit. The responsibility of exploring who you are is your responsibility. Hallelujah. The responsibility of identifying the work you have been given. Not the work you have found for yourself. The work you have been given is your responsibility. The responsibility of sinking yourself into it is your responsibility. Hallelujah. And believe you me, if you press into God, God will open your eyes to see who you are. Because he's no respecter of persons. He says anyone that seeks will find. Another way of putting it is that those who find are those who seek. You cannot find without seeking. The responsibility to seek is your own. Hallelujah. The work you have been given. Pay attention to your shape. We talk about shape acronym here. Your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences. Pay attention to the things that stir you up. Hallelujah. Pay attention. Explore them. Because it's an indication of your direction. Recognize them. Get educated about it. Pray. Get godly wisdom. 
Perceiving your assignment is the most important thing you can do. I believe it was Mark Twain that said that there are two important days in a man's life. The day he is born and the day he finds out why. That's an exploration we must make. Because Jesus knew why he was born. And he gave attention to it. Look at Hebrews 12 verse 1. It says, therefore we also, after having spoken about the heroes of faith. You know, sometimes we, um, you know, when we read the Bible, we think, oh, that was them. You know, you read it, you read like we just read about Jesus. Say, well, that's Jesus. Yes, we know Jesus was sent. And, and then you read a verse that speaks about John. I think, well, well, he's greatest prophet of the Old Testament. He was sent. Yeah, we tend to think of it as somebody else. And when you're reading Hebrews 11 and you read about these heroes of faith that obtained a good report, you know, in our minds, we sort of, um, you know, sort of create this picture of, yeah, you know, man, those Jim Jim people. They didn't have iPhones, you know. They didn't have issues that could distract them. That was them. But then we enter Hebrews 12 and it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run the race, not a race, the race. Hallelujah. There is a race that has been set before you. Before you can run your race, you've got to find your race. Before you find your race, you've got to seek your race. Hallelujah. You will never run your race by accident. Oh, I'll say it again. You will never run your race by accident. To run your race, you've got to find your race. To find your race, you've got to make a careful exploration of who you are. You've got to seek your race and that is your responsibility. Hallelujah. As somebody who God has chosen in himself and sent into time to fulfill his work. That is what Jesus did. That is what John did. That is what those we celebrate in Hebrews 11 did. And that is what you and I must do. Hallelujah. When you pay attention to your gifting and open your heart to love, you will find your race. Hallelujah. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, I believe that um, Bill Gates has found his race. That's what I believe. Yeah. You know, starting Microsoft was not his race. It created the platform for his race. His race is what he's doing now. This is why he was sent. Microsoft was when he yielded to his gifting. And he began to do the work. And then when he opened his heart to love, he began to realize that his race is actually solving world problems with love. That is his race. You know, when Muhammad Yunus was a professor of economics in the University of Chittagong, he was yielding to his gifting. But he then found his race. Are you with me? Imagine if Yunus had lived and died and just been a professor of economics. Yeah? It was his leaning, his gifting, but when he opened his heart to love, 
He began bringing solutions to the poor in Bangladesh. And he became the father of what is called microfinance today. I believe he found his race. What if um, Mandela had lived and died as an activist? Would that have been his race? As he opened his heart to love, he started as an activist. That was his passion. It's a little bit like Moses being known for killing the Egyptian. Very passionate. Injustice. It must be corrected. But when he opened his heart to love, he entered his race, which was to midwife the peaceful transition of power in South Africa and to show a nation and the world how you can overcome with love. When you yield to your gifting, you press into God and you open your heart to love, you will find your race. Hallelujah. Can I say to you that your purpose, the plan of God for your life is transcendent. It goes beyond time. The manifestation of the purpose of your life is transcendent. The Bible says that I and the children that the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders. The purpose of your life goes beyond having a good marriage and having kids. There is something beyond that that the Lord wants to do. He wants to take that marriage and use it as an example for nations. He wants to raise those children and use them as an example for nations. He has something that he wants you to do that will impact eternity. Because the reason why he sent you is not to fulfill his will for your life in just the context of time. You see, the fruit of your life cannot end in time. It cannot end in time because you are not from here. The assignment of your life cannot stop and end in time. When you are chronicling your rewards and your achievements, the dimension, the scope cannot end in time. Because you have come from eternity. You are fulfilling eternity's purpose in time. And then you are going back to eternity. That's why Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 3. He said, you must therefore endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That it may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking family must be first to partake of the crop. So he was saying... Timothy, equip yourself for the pressure of your assignment. Don't try to avoid it. You're a soldier. You're an athlete. You're a farmer. Every single one of those roles requires endurance. It requires strength. It requires understanding goal setting. It requires applying yourself to this thing. There's a pressure that comes with your role. Embrace it. Press into grace. Stand strong in the grace. But don't avoid it. You've got to get through it. It is your assignment to fulfill. It's yours to fulfill. Embrace this value. That I know who I am. I know where I'm from. My father has sent me. And I'm going to finish his work. So true faith is action based on sight of eternal truth. True faith. Is when we take action on the earth based on what we understand, which has its root in eternity. Are you with me? Otherwise, if our faith is just based on here, after a while we'll grow weary. We'll grow tired. Sometimes it gets too much. 
even when you see eternity, like Jesus, the agony was much. He was sweating tears of blood. The pressure was immense. He said, God, I know this is your assignment. I need strength from you. He couldn't just brave it like a man. No, he had to have strength from God. If all you have is human strength, you're not going to make it. Because the assignments of heaven require the power of heaven. You're not going to make it. The assignments of heaven require the power of heaven. Waiting on God, seeking God is not a luxury anymore. Jesus going and praying all night was not a luxury. He needed the strength. Otherwise, he will not fulfill the assignment. He will leave the project uncompleted. But thank God you have access to the same strength. Look at Hebrews eleven thirteen. Oh, what a time in which we live. This is your time of history. This time of great darkness is your appointed time in history. And that is because it is the predestined purpose of God that in this time you shine. Because the source of your life is not the earth. The source of your light is not the earth. The source of your light is the light that no man can approach. It is the light of heaven himself. And you must be connected to the light of heaven if you are going to shine in darkness. This is your appointed time. Hebrews 11 verse 13, the Passion Translation, it says these heroes all died, still clinging to their faith, not even receiving all that had been promised, but they saw beyond the horizon, the fulfillment of their promises, and they gladly embraced it from afar, for they lived their lives on earth as though they belonged to another realm. That's how Jesus lived. When he stood before Pontius Pilate, he said, my... My kingdom is not of this world. <laughs> that which I have, you cannot take from me. Everything you have has been given to you. That which I have, my father has given to me. Hallelujah. Amen. They lived like those who came from another realm because they came from another realm. Verse 32, let's go back to New King James of Hebrews 11. There's something we must get from here. Hebrews 11 verse 32 says, And what more shall I say? After he had given so many examples. For the time will fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, and of David and Samuel. So you are seeing some prophets, some kings, some women who were not given any title. I mean, he was given all kinds of examples. So that we'll be absorbed of all the excuses we normally give. It's because he was married. No, it's because he was single. No, it's because he didn't have children. No, it's because he had too many children. No, because he was educated. No, he was uneducated. That's why he was able to do it. No, he was young. He was old. He was big. He was small. The excuses we have. He walks through the hall of faith. He says, time will fail me. He says, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Watch righteousness, obtain promises, stop the mouth of lions, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fly the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Why would somebody offer to deliver you and you refuse it why would you refuse deliverance unless you are seeing 
a bigger picture that goes beyond your temporal convenience. In time, if you were to read the history books of some of these people, all you will read is they lived, they suffered, and they died. And it says these guys refused deliverance because they were looking beyond time. They were looking beyond time. It wasn't because they were gluttons for punishment. They were looking beyond time. Look at, um, I'll explain this further, but let's look at a couple of things. Look at verse 24 of that same chapter. It says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked, he looked to what? The reward. The history of Egypt about Moses is that this guy had great potential and he decided to take some people away from Egypt and he turned his back on the greatest economy that ever lived and he died in the wilderness. That's the history of, of Moses as far as the history books of Egypt are concerned. But the Bible says that he looked towards the reward. What are you looking at? You see, Jesus is coming back. In Revelation 22 verse 12, it says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. To give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He said, I'm coming back. My reward is with me. Hallelujah. So these men in Hebrews 11 were living for the reward. They focused on the fact that they came from eternity and they were returning to eternity. They took the time to perceive why they were here. They did not allow themselves to be distracted because they knew they had to finish their work in time. And their framework of reward went beyond time into eternity. And they ran with patience and endurance the race that was set before them. And that is why somebody like the Apostle Paul at the end of his life could say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He says, my own race, my own course. Look, look at that passage. I need to um, round up, but look at that passage. I want you to see this. Let's look at the Passion Translation of um, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. The Passion Translation says, And now the time is fast approaching for my release from this life. I am ready to be offered as a sacrifice. I have fought an excellent fight. I have finished my full course and I've kept my heart full of faith. There's a crown of righteousness waiting in heaven for me. And I know that my Lord will reward me on his day of righteous judgment. And this crown is not only waiting for me, but for all who love and long for his unveiling. So it is impossible in time to know you have finished your assignment. Say, I've finished my course. Hallelujah. It is possible to perceive it and know it. Jesus did. He said, I've finished my race. Paul did. He said, I'm ready now. I am not dying until I'm done. And I am done now. So I am ready to lay down my life. No one is going to take it from me. I'm ready to lay down. I have finished. I know what is waiting for me. You know, Paul was beheaded by Nero, right? But he said, I am ready now. There's a reward waiting for me. Are you seeing something here? 
And that's why the Bible says that they were a people of whom the world was not worthy. So when they rejected deliverance because they wanted a better resurrection. I know that the Bible talks about resurrection to life and resurrection to death. But even in the resurrection to life, there is a better resurrection. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about the fact that when we get beyond this reward seat of Jesus, our works will be tested. Hallelujah. And they will be tested by fire. He says some will suffer loss. When they realize that everything that they did was not the work that God gave them to do. The fire of God's judgment will cause everything to be consumed. It is a reward seat, but when the quality of the work is tested, he will realize that there is nothing to reward there. Some of them are in business when they are meant to be in ministry. Some of them are in ministry when they are meant to be in business. Some are doing what God hasn't called them to do. Some are saying, God, I know you want me to do this, but there's no money there. Some are saying, you know, I have to work with this employer. So wherever he sends me to go is where I'm going to go. Even though the Lord keeps pulling me that this is where I ought to be. I've heard people say, you know, this church doesn't have chandelier, so I can't be here. It's inconvenient for me to climb up three flights of stairs. I can't make it. And I'm thinking, what did God tell you to do? I remember a few years ago, uh, this lady came. She hadn't seen her in church for a while. And I said, well, how are you doing? She said, I'm fine. And she came for one of our services. And she said, you know, Pastor, I'm very disappointed. And I said, why is that? She said, well, you know, I used to be here a few years ago. And the Lord told me, to go to children's church to serve. And now that I've left, and I come back, I went to children's church. It is not the way we, um, we did it when I was here. I'm, I'm unhappy that they have not kept up. So I said, you said the Lord sent you there. She said, yes. So I said, did the Lord tell you to leave? She said, well, no. I said, well, so why did you leave? She said, well, there's another place that's doing better services. I said, well, um, you need to go back to the Lord and ask him what he asked you to do. Because what the Lord tells you to do is what you should do. Are you with me? Some of us only accept assignments that are convenient for us. And we'll only do it as long as it remains convenient. We have no concept of the fact that you are not from here. You are from heaven. And the Lord sends you to places because he needs you there. And yes, it gets challenging, but you press into the grace of God for the place. You don't leave a job because it's difficult. You don't do that. That's why he puts you there. Are you with me? So they refused deliverance because they were seeking a better resurrection. You know, a few days ago as I was waking up from sleep, a phrase that I had been hearing over and over in my dreams. I woke up with that phrase. And this phrase, there was an urgency in the spirit. An urgency in the spirit. It was, it was repeated over and over again with urgency. And it simply said, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And as I woke up, the picture I saw was that there was a flood. And this flood is distraction. And as long as you stay within the flood, you are going to be distracted. 
a hundred and one things will be screaming for your attention. And the purpose of the flood is to stop you from raising your head and embracing high purpose. It will never be convenient. The urgency of heaven is seek first the kingdom. Whatever you do, seek first the kingdom. That phrase in Matthew 6.33 does not mean seek the kingdom first and then seek everything else. It's saying make the kingdom your priority. Make your assignment your priority. Make the fact that you are from heaven and you are in time to fulfill eternity your priority. Seek first the kingdom. The reward of the king is coming, but it is coming to the faithful. So the Lord give us grace to number our days that we may truly gain a heart of wisdom. Amen. Did you get something from the word this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lord, we thank you for wisdom. We thank you because it's the corrections of discipline that put us on the path of life. Lord, we, we approach your word with meekness because it's able to save our souls. We don't struggle with your word. Irrespective of how far we've gone in the wrong direction, when we hear your word, we receive the correction of discipline and we turn and face the path of life. Lord, thank you for grace to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap one more time. Praise God for expansion. Hallelujah.